Just stay standing. I want you to do something with me. I want you to follow me just for a second. I want everybody. Okay? Now, a bit louder. A bit softer. And stop. Okay, please be seated. That's your calisthenics for the morning. But here's a question I want you to try and answer for me. What were you doing? You're clapping. And why were you able to clap with me? What were some of the things that were happening? Just speak up. Don't be shy. You were being led. What else? You were following the crowd. Okay. What else? Natural rhythm. You saw what was happening. You heard what was happening. There was a rhythm. And today, Mother's Day, I want us to focus on the rhythm I believe Jesus wants mothers to have as they listen, as they observe, as they practice and follow. And some of this advice comes from James 1, verses 22 to 25. And I believe it's a rhythm that can be applied to all all mothers, no matter your circumstances. And I want to say, I'm here to celebrate mothers, but I also want to recognize that for some who might be here and others who are not here today, Mother's Day is not necessarily a celebration. They have painful memories. They have loss. At the same time, I don't think Jesus wants anyone to deny that, but I really believe the words presented in James can give us a message of hope and encouragement to move with that rhythm. The wisdom given here applies not only to mothers, however, so guys, don't tune out. And if you're not a mother, don't tune out. It applies to all of us. And a special, I believe really special, I'm excited, because we have three women who are going to share with us throughout the message about this passage in James and and what they've discovered as natural and spiritual mums. So James encourages us to discover our rhythm as we begin in these verses four ways. We discover a rhythm to listen to, to observe, to practice, and someone to follow. And James begins right off with the concept, we discover our rhythm by beginning to listen. James writes these words, but don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing in a mirror at your face. See, you see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. James doesn't say not to listen, but don't just listen to God's word. James knew the first step of discovering was to begin to listen. And this context actually started in verse 19, where James uses one word in the original language, but translated means, listen up. And then he follows it with, be quick to listen. For many years, I had the joy of working as a preschool teacher of the deaf. And every week, I would go into the homes of parents who had just had newborns and had toddlers and preschoolers, but they had been discovered to have a hearing loss. And they were eager to teach these children how to be quick to listen, how to make the most of it. And, and these mums 
had a sense that they were ready to listen. They wanted to learn. They watched VHSs. For, the, for some of you here, that, I know that's a foreign term. It was the precursor to DVDs. And they're still around. But they would listen to those VHSs. They would read books or articles I left. And they would position themselves to be better moms. The dads would also position themselves by listening. They were eager to listen. And James says, don't stop listening. But then he focuses on another type of listener for a few verses. He says, this listener is like the passive person. You're fooling yourselves if, if, he, if you just listen and don't act upon it. You glance in the mirror casually. You forget. A number of years ago, Jennifer and I attended a wedding reception, and uh, one of her friends went with her to the women's washroom. And I was waiting for them, and I saw the door open, and I saw this friend walk out, and all of a sudden I saw Jennifer's two arms reach out, grab her by the shoulders, and yank her back in. And the door swung closed. Well, later I found out what had happened was this woman had come out of the bathroom stall, glanced casually in the mirror, and was heading out. Unfortunately, she didn't take enough time to look in the mirror because her dress was tucked up in the back of her pantyhose and her rear was exposed. Not only that, she had a long piece of toilet paper trailing on her shoe. In the same way, James says the listener here would be like that person. They glance quickly in the mirror, but in this case, he says, you glance quickly at the word and the problems and necessary changes go undetected in your life. There's no rhythm to begin, or it's a rhythm that doesn't match what should be happening. But then he says, here's a pattern in verse 25, how we begin to discover and practice the rhythm. And he says this, If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. James says you begin to discover, we begin to discover our rhythm by observing or looking carefully, intently. And I want us to think about looking carefully in two parts. It does two things. First, looking intently changes our character. It's the kind of mirror that God's word provides that's unique. It shows us our inner nature the same way a regular mirror shows the exterior features. Both mirrors point out what is there. But the second part of this is as our character changes, the differences are reflected also to those we meet on a daily basis. Studying our character in the mirror of the perfect word will benefit others as well. And James refers in chapter 2, verse 8, to it as the royal command, this perfect word. The royal command, I think we've all heard it. It's what Jesus responded when he was asked about the greatest commandment. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength and all your soul. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we observe and begin to look intently into the word, our character changes and it's reflected to those we meet. Secondly, we begin to hear a rhythm. It's a rhythm of freedom. And in John 8, 
Jesus had said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But the interesting part is the context of that is that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. I'm going to ask Jennifer Charlton to come and share a bit with us as she looked into these verses of what she saw by looking intently and observing. When we uh, think of the word words law and freedom, uh, they don't seem to go together very well. I always think of the law as quite inhibiting. But James says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. And I just want to share a little bit about how God has used his word to set me free. Uh, The first comes in Psalm 139. And as I read that psalm, I see that God has supervised my creation, both inwardly and outwardly. And that gives me freedom to be myself without apology. I'm glad for who I am. Now, it wasn't always this way, and some days it isn't still this way, (laughs) but God is setting me free. I often, you have no idea how often I wish I was petite, uh, gentle, quiet-spoken, more ladylike, all of those things, but you know what? This isn't going to happen. (laughs) I'm a big person with a strong personality, And I even have a strong voice. But you know what? I've learned to realize that that God has created me, and he will refine that, and he will use me. So I'm glad for who I am. I love... Yes, he does. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, I love my solitude. So I have lots of alone times. That's how I recharge my batteries. I'm different from other people. Uh, I um, love a disciplined way of life. Um, I'm a morning person. I love the morning. The earlier, the better. I love challenging things. If you give me something really hard to do, boy, that's just my cup of tea. You know, that's who I am. I'm, I'm grateful for who I am. That doesn't mean that I run roughshod over you or bulldoze you, but I deal gently with my personality and who I am, and I serve. It also gives me the freedom not only to accept myself, but to accept you, because you are different again. And so I thank God for the freedom to rejoice in who I am, but laugh at the differences that we have and rejoice in who you are. Uh, This past winter, I did a study on the names of God because I believe that they reveal more of the character of God. And one of the names was Jehovah Sidkenu. I'm probably slaughtering that name, but that's how it's pronounced. That's how I see it, which is the Lord, our righteousness. Now, for about 50 years, I have been a follower of Jesus Christ, and I love him. But I still fall, because of my independent nature, I believe, I still fall into that trap of thinking that I can handle life by myself, 
that I am a strong person, that I can measure up to God's standards down by myself. And then I fall flat on my face and realize, no, that isn't going to happen. It doesn't happen. And I really get down on myself because I, I don't measure up. And sometimes I feel like that Romans 6 person that says, Oh, wretched person that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, again, God showed me that he is, yes, Jehovah's Sid Canoe, the Lord our righteousness. He's a God of grace. And he loves me not because I measure up, but because of who he is. And he has called me by his grace, and he has given me the breastplate of righteousness in Jesus. And so now I have the freedom not to stay within myself so much and kind of rack myself over the coals because I don't measure up, but look away to Jesus. I have the freedom to receive forgiveness. I have the freedom to forgive myself. And I have the freedom to forgive others. The other name that I looked at was Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. Isaiah 40:11 says, "He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those who are with young." It's a beautiful picture, and I know that we all love Psalm 23, "The Lord is my shepherd." And I really love the last two verses of Psalm 23. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I see these, I just picture myself walking with two little dogs just kind of all around me. And they're called goodness and mercy. Because, you know, God is there with me and he has made wonderful promises as has his shepherd, his shepherding qualities. So as I realize how deeply God cares for me. And he's really looking out for my best interest, and I'm learning to trust him. I can feel secure, and I realize that I am significant. My verse for this year is Isaiah 40. I think it's verse 1. It says, Fear not, Jennifer. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Well, if that doesn't make you feel like you're special, nothing will. That's the wonderful law that sets freedom. He leads me out. I follow him in freedom. I have the freedom now to love others. My emotional needs are being met by God. So then I now can listen to you. I can talk about your interests. I can care for you. A beautiful motherly characteristic. So I'm grateful for God's word. It is the perfect law that has, keeps on setting me free and will give you liberty as well. I'd really encourage you to be people of the word. Not in a legalistic sense of, oh, I have done my devotions or I'm having my quiet time. But because you will find God and you will find that perfect, wonderful law that will keep on setting you free through the journey of your life. Thanks so much, Jenny. Were you actively listening? One of the things that I really appreciated as Jennifer spoke is this idea that when you look carefully at the word, you discover as a woman 
that you are set free to become the person God intended you to be. And once you discover that, we discover the third thing about rhythm. We discover our rhythm by doing. But remember, as Jenny said, doing in God's kingdom is always centered on being, not being enslaved to the task itself. The doing takes on new meaning because we have a freedom in a relationship with Jesus and we are following this word, Jesus. And not only that, by doing the truth, we don't forget it as we continue to practice it and do it again and again. And practicing that truth allows mothers, and I will say all of us, but allows mothers to provide the opportunity for their children to be drawn into a relationship with Jesus. And we're providing opportunities for others to have that relationship as they observe our attitude and our actions as we go through life. One person wrote this, Opportunities are provided not through force, but fascination as they listen and observe our attitudes and actions. I'm going to ask Betsy Campbell, as a young mom of two young children, to come now and and share a bit about her reflections on these verses in James. So just to give you a little extra context about myself, I am a mother of two, um, one who just turned five, and another little girl who is two and a half, um, who are my babies from Sunday to Sunday each week. But I've also added to my um, collection, so to speak, I have four additionals who come Monday to Friday and are with us um, throughout the week. So I do a home daycare uh, as well. So I mother a whole little crowd um, from Monday to Friday. So I got an email Saturday morning, 8.30 from Brent. No, no, last Saturday. <laughs> it's okay, Brent. <laughs> last Saturday, he was well prepared, no worries, um, from Brent. And I thought, sure, I can do this. It's Saturday morning. I can do anything on Saturday morning, and I'd love to help out. So I replied, sure, Brent, it sounds exciting. I'd love to participate. I hit send, poof, I'm committed. At this point, it's time to shut down Facebook, skip Pinterest, and get off the computer and back downstairs to breakfast, laundry, and figure out what that screaming is. So the rest of the weekend disappeared in a blur of activities, and Monday afternoon rolled around, and all of my little daycare honey bears, all five of them are asleep at the same time. This is a rare and delightful moment of peace. So now it's time to focus. What was that verse that Brent mentioned that he was speaking on? Oh, yeah. Here it is. I'm just going to read through for you. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free... And do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. What? I don't get what this has to do with motherhood. Okay, slow down, Betsy. Take another look and try doing what it says. Look carefully. 
Don't just listen to God's word. Listen. What a fantastic start. Listening. I wish someone would listen to me. I repeat myself a lot. Put your shoes in the closet. Pick up your toys. Use your spoon. Say please. Say thank you. And don't hit your sister. Oh, wait. It says listen to God's word. So he means things like be patient, thank God, be kind, love your enemies, love the Lord your God, don't be envious, don't complain, and God loves you. I wonder if God sometimes feels like no one is listening to him. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Yes. Just do what I said. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Hmm. Some days, that would be nice. Because maybe if I didn't notice the snot streak across my shoulder, the cashier didn't notice it either. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, perfect, a really annoying word, often linked with motherhood, I just want to be the perfect mom with the perfect kids. Well, I'm not, and I don't have them. (laughs) So now what? Look carefully in the perfect law that sets you free. Sets me free? Free from what? Dishes? Laundry, diapers, snot. I I really don't like snot. Or maybe, maybe that's not what he's talking about here. Maybe the author means freedom from things like unrealistic expectations of myself and my family. Could I really be free from feeling that I have made a huge mistake and that I will never have what it takes to do this motherhood thing? Can I be free from the fear that God made a mistake in giving me these two beautiful little girls into my messed up, impatient, and selfish care? Can I be free from the idea that it is my sole responsibility to ensure the goodness of my kids? Could I be free to just love the little people in my life with such abandon that I would take on my worst fears of failure just to see them smile and hear them say, I love you, mommy. Can I be free to act silly, to be creative, play outside all day, read children's books five at a time, play imaginary, make cookies, give hugs, clean up owies and poopies, and crawl into bed with the knowledge that I have lived my life or my day to its fullest potential and not feel one ounce of guilt or self-dislike? Can I be free to embrace the idea that I am doing exactly what God has intended for my life and know that I am not wasting one bit of potential or question the choices that put me where I am today? Can I be free to say that I know that I hold in my heart a tiny piece of the knowledge of how God feels about me. Freedom? I can live in freedom. So do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard, 
then God will bless you for doing it. And this I know, God has blessed me. Thanks so much, Betsy. I like what Betsy said as she finished. Freedom. Can I live in freedom? And I can say without hesitation that God has blessed me. This is true for all of us who aren't mothers. And both Jenny and Betsy have referred to the fact they aren't perfect. We know them. We know they aren't perfect, right? But we do know they are being transformed because of the love of a Savior, because they believe they indeed have been set free. And so we're motivated to do and not forget because as we listen to the rhythm, as we observe the rhythm, as we practice the rhythm we discover that our rhythm is also in a leader, Jesus Christ. And by following that leader of the rhythm, we continue to be blessed and transformed. James wrote these verses. He wrote that little letter. As far as we know, James was the half-brother of Jesus. As I was thinking about this, that fact this week, it occurred to me. Have you ever thought about what it must have been like growing up in a house with Jesus as your brother? I wonder if that family ever heard the words, Mom always liked you best. (laughs) Or if Mary, when she was disciplining her children, always heard, Oh yeah, Jesus, he's so perfect. (laughs) What we do know from a few pieces in the Bible, is that James and his siblings certainly didn't follow the rhythm of Jesus while he was in his public ministry. In fact, one of the times they were really sarcastic in John 7. It tells the way the language is written that they were sarcastic and saying, why don't you go to Jerusalem too and do all the miracles? And then it says, because they didn't believe him. However, we know that all that changed according to 1 Corinthians 15 when Jesus came in search of his half-brother. And his half-brother had a totally new encounter with Jesus, not only as half-brother, but as his savior, as the word. And from that point on, we get a different picture of who James was. In Acts, we see that he became a pillar of the local church. He was changed forever because he had really discovered Jesus was not only his half-brother, but his savior. Tradition tells us that James, over the years, developed calluses on his knees because he spent so much time in prayer to his half-brother, to his savior, He knew the importance of discovering the rhythm of following a leader. And he spent it, the rest of his life, helping others. His book of James, 
shares that information, a very practical book of how we develop a rhythm in practicing and following the leader. Like James, God's blessing is demonstrated in a deeper relationship with Jesus and a growing sense of his presence. And as we continue this process, we find it doesn't happen overnight. It's a lifelong transformation. And we have much to share with others also as we go through our lives. And some of the mums have lived a life being blessed as a mum, as a grandmum. And I'm going to ask Louise Dakin to come and share a bit about her blessings as a mother as she reflects back on her years. Thanks so much, Louise. First off, I can't believe that I'm here because if you know me, I'm a very quiet person. And when Brent asked me to do this, I thought, what? How can I do that? And, and then I thought, perhaps the Lord wants me to come out of my comfort zone and, and do this. So I said yes to him. <laughs> and so here I am. Psalm... 127.3 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of, his, fruit of the womb is his reward. And I think the other part of the verse right around there says that happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. And I often wondered, what's a quiver full? And so on Easter Sunday, we had the privilege of going to uh, Windsor to our son's church and see our little granddaughter baptized. And during the service, there was a family came up and they had 10 children and they sang a cappello, Man of Sorrows, eight daughters and two sons and mom and dad. It was beautiful and I thought, maybe that's a quiver. I am so grateful to the Lord for the children he entrusted to us. I have always loved being a mom, and especially the baby days. I just love babies. His word tells us in Proverbs 22.6 and in Ephesians 6.4, as well as many other scriptures, that we are to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Each family has their own way of seeking to do this. And I remember the good times that we had each night after supper while still at the table, and we did the children's catechism with the boys. We had three boys at that time. And it was a really fun time as well as an instruction time. And um, lately, one of my sons related that he wasn't always eager to sit there and do this catechism thing. He wanted to be outside playing basketball. But we persevered, and uh, even today, they still have this vividly in their hearts and in their minds. I came across this little poem that sums up nicely about being a mom. Each little child God sends our way is like a piece of soft new clay. 
Tis ours to mold and shape and trim, to make it pleasing unto him. Each little thing we do or say makes an impression day by day on every growing mind and heart, forming a pattern from the start. Oh, what a solemn trust is ours, how we must guard these precious hours. Too soon this clay will be a stone. Our chance is gone. Our child is grown. If we but take the time to pray and seek God's guidance every day, he'll give us strength and wisdom too to help us grow, to help our child grow strong and true. The lady that wrote that is Dorothy Garka. But I thought it was a beautiful poem about us as moms and trying to chain our children. The Lord brought an unexpected challenge with one of our boys being very seriously ill at seven years of age. Needless to say, this was a very trying time for all of us. Much time was spent in prayer with lots of tears, calling on the Lord to help us. The Lord spared his life. And a month or so later, the Lord blessed us with a beautiful baby daughter. We thought we could only have boys. What a special blessing from the Lord. Three great sons and now a lovely daughter. So many blessings to thank the Lord for. There are always life changes. Several years later, we were asked and made a choice to be guardians for another family. This uh, expanded our family to nine children. Our children accepted and followed our choice and became a real strength while we were all adjusting to this new normal. This was the most difficult task that we could ever have tackled without the courage and strength and wisdom from the Lord. One of the greatest blessings in all of the years of raising our children is the great support of praying friends and family. Today, the family that we cared for still keep in touch with us, and they express genuine appreciation for the sacrifice that we made for them. We feel our own family benefited from the support that they gave to the other children. It was not easy. The Lord has been faithful in all the changes in our family life. I want to tell you of a blessing that has been to be Canadian mom and dad to Mary and Ernest Yanfall and Nana, Brian, Bernice, and um, Dan. And it just happened. I think uh, Ernest came from Windsor to London and Dad answered the phone and it was Ernest. And he said, could you pick me up for church? First of all, what, what goes on at your church? What do you believe? And so Dad told him. And, and um, so ever since then, we've been mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. And it's been so fun to, we had a lot of fun with our children being younger and the times we had together uh, with being mom and dad to them. I cannot forget to tell you about our friend Peter. Doug knew Peter when he was only 13 years old and in a nursing home for children that he was administrator for. 
We as a family met him when he was 15. Pete ended up living with us for two years and then moved on to a group home and eventually his own apartment. And now he's back in a group home. But we've been connected over the years and to make a long story short, we are still mom and dad and we celebrated his 50th birthday last year. Hard to believe. One more sweet person I would like to mention, and some of you already know about her, is Cynthia Fasagan of Durban, South Africa. We met her there in year 2000, and we've been appreciating her friendship ever since. A couple of groups uh, at one point in our church supported her financially, and it's been a great blessing. We had garage sales at Jenny's Place and in Kamoka, and it, it's been a blessing. Well, we were so saddened to hear that on April the 30th, she went home to be with the Lord. She had an amazing testimony and ministry for the Lord with children. All of it was done from her wheelchair. It was just amazing. She wanted to call us mom and dad. So we said, sure, we'll be mom and dad. And just had most of the connection over the internet and email. So anyway, she's now with the Lord, but what a blessing she was. It's just amazing how the Lord brings people into your lives. My hope has always been that our children will continue in the Lord and walk. As John said in Third John, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about the extra special blessing the Lord has given us seven grandchildren who we see growing in the Lord. And it's such a blessing. And they are Matthew, Michaela, Hannah, Kirsten, Sarah, Kate, Nathan, and Drew. And three of them are here today. My little ones from Niagara Falls. So we just thank the Lord for the blessing that I have been received as being a mom and a grandma. Thank you for listening. Don't know if you were counting, but last count when Louise stopped, I was up to 23 in her quiver. <laughs> uh, so, so I don't think the person with 10 has anything over you and Doug at all. Don't worry. No greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. Why should mothers be interested in discovering the rhythm mentioned here in James? Why should we all be interested? Simply that by listening to the rhythm, by observing the rhythm, by practicing the rhythm and following the rhythm, we discover our purpose in life. In Ephesians 2, Paul wrote, For we are God's masterpiece. Literally, we are God's work of art. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
I think I would be remiss on Mother's Day if, if I didn't say a few words about my own mom. And this won't take long. My, my mom is 91, in her 91st year, and uh, she has Alzheimer's. Um, and for many years, I, I didn't appreciate the rhythm of her life. Um, I grew up until I was 18 in a home of an alcoholic dad. Um, and so my mom was left pretty much as a single person and caring not only for my father, but the, her three children. And uh, she went out to work, worked hard. But the one thing she tried to do with us when she was raising us is, is develop a desire in us to remember the word, to look intently at the word. It wasn't always with success for some of us. But she always prayed for us. And this past year, I realized suddenly as I was talking with my mom, even with Alzheimer's, she is still God's masterpiece. The quality of her life, because she has spent so many years observing the word, practicing the word, doing the word, and not forgetting it. And even in the hard times, she always believed he was blessing her. And so when we go to visit now, this rhythm, lived as a lifestyle for so many years, is still blessing us. We can begin a passage of a favorite psalm or some other passage of the scripture... And she remembers it. She doesn't remember where Jacob is in Colombia. She thinks Josh and Vicky might still be living with the granddaughter with us. But once you bring a word of scripture to her mind, she knows it. And she's blessed by it. When we leave, once we ask, we ask her to pray, she prays with great clarity. Because she's following and has followed this leader, Jesus who gave her a rhythm in life no matter the trials or difficulties. And I think she'll keep doing this until she meets the leader personally. She meets the one who created her as a work of art. And I want to say, that's what God has done. He's created all of us as works of art. And, and how we can learn to value ourselves is by discovering the rhythm. So how do we discover this rhythm? Let me finish with three possible suggestions. There could be more. But one is, ask the Holy Spirit for insights as how to do it. In verse 21, James said, Humbly accept the word of Christ planted in your heart, for it has the power to save your souls. Secondly, ask someone for advice as to how they understand and practice what they have learned. You've heard three amazing people here this morning share a bit of their story. They're all different. They all have had a different rhythm given to them by Jesus. But it's the same rhythm that we follow in looking intently at the word. And finally, once you do that, just don't glance and walk away. Think of three practical ways you can be a doer. And then think of three more and three more. We have an amazing community here. You want to ask some advice? Ask one of the three women, but there are lots of other women here too that can share their experiences and encourage you. So I close with these questions to consider talking with one another in our life groups this week or as you chat. 
ask yourselves, am I listening to the rhythm? Am I observing the rhythm? Am I practicing the rhythm? Am I following the rhythm of the leader, Jesus? And don't do this with guilt. This is not meant to be a guilt trip. This is meant, as Louise and Betsy and Jenny have shared, to provide hope and encouragement for you. Everything isn't going to be perfect in our lives, but we have a perfect Savior. So, have you discovered your rhythm as a person, as a mother, as a follower of Jesus? If not, um, I would encourage you today, take the opportunity to talk with me, one of the other leaders here. And if you're saying, yeah, I've discovered Jesus, but I just can't get into this rhythm, then ask for prayer. And we have a prayer room out these doors across the hall, and there are people there who would be more than happy and encouraged to pray with you about that. So as the worship team comes, let's just close in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for uh, what has been shared through Jenny and Betsy and Louise. Thank you for the fact that most days we are never really in our comfort zone, that there are always new surprises. But as long as we have you giving us the foundation of our rhythm, indeed, we can be free to follow, to love, to forgive, and serve you. Thank you so much in your name. Amen.